0: Listening to the Fancy Black Lady Podcast. I'm your host Jamila Carrington Smith,
1: and I'm your host Landria Seals Green. Today we are going to talk about friendship, the importance of finding someone who is just yours, not necessarily attached to your social orbit or your husband or your children.
0: We're going to talk about what it's like to take a risk and make a friend as an adult and how that process is different from just getting closer to someone you already know. It's about being vulnerable and daring to build something that truly sustains you.
1: The story of how we met is in here. Take a listen.
0: I was thinking about friendship because, you know, I like these Real Housewives of anywhere franchise, but... (laughs) Lately, it just got me, from time to time, I think about these shows, and I think about these people, and I'm just like, who are these mean people who call themselves friends? They do these mean things to one another, and they stay together. I'm not 100% convinced that these people even like each other. Yeah, This has got to be bad for the blood pressure, like it's bad <laughs> for the spirit. <laughs> And I understand that it's a TV show, but I also know that there are plenty of people who have these hateful people in their lives who they call friends. Yeah. It's depleting. And it's amazing to me that it's amazing that people can survive.
1: (laughs) (laughs) It's true. It's a loose term. Friend, the word friend is a real word with depth, but people use it from a surface level. Like, oh, that person's my friend. And then if you're younger, like, oh, that's my best friend, that's my girl, or people say, oh, that's my bae, which I don't get at all. Mm-hmm. But it's really interesting because as I've gotten older, there are fewer people I call friend. I'll say, oh, she's someone I used to know. Um, this is someone, and I may identify the relationship by how we are associated, yes. but that word friend, I do try to be more conscientious of its use because I know what I feel when I have a good friend. And I don't want to give that word to just anybody.
0: Absolutely. But also there is so much power in moving through this world and being able to choose someone who's going to be close to you. And I feel like these friend relationships are well, they are as important as our familiar relationships, but they're even more special because we enter these relationships by choice. Yeah. You and choose. we're not bound by vows or anything. You're not married mm-hmm, to this mm-hmm. person. There's not quite the same pressure to stay together. And so for the person you choose to be your friend, it's a very special thing.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I remember when I moved here, although I have friends in other places, it was just lonely for. A long time not to have a friend. Now, certainly I encountered people, certainly there are people that I like and appreciate, but they were not my friends. They were people I met through my spouse, but there was no one I could call my own. Yes. And I like to be able to call someone my own and they're not associated like I didn't meet them through my kids or met them through my husband. I feel like the two of us were introduced, certainly, but we didn't really reveal much about our spouses, our relationships with our children, because we just fortified who we were to each other.
0: But also our spouses and our children had no connection.
1: No, not at all. That was really
0: nice. Because like you, I moved to this place. I didn't have any family here. I didn't have any friends here. I was a newer parent. So my older child was two when we moved here. And so, you know, when that happens, your child starts school and then you just find yourself in a cohort. Your kid has friends. And so those kids' parents become your friends and you just kind of move along. You just kind of get swept up into things. and. In some ways, it's really nice because it's very lonely, like you said, to move to a new place and not have these connections, especially when you're at this very vulnerable place where all of a sudden you have a new identity and all the ways that people might have gotten to know you before, it's interesting. They get subsumed or erased or something. People see you as somebody's mother all Mm. of a sudden and they see that as your only identity. And certainly for me, they saw me as somebody's wife, which... You know, I've been somebody's wife for a very long time, but I had moved from a place where people knew me. They knew me as my own person, a standalone person.
1: A standalone. And now your identity is based upon who they are and their associations. And it's funny that you call it a cohort because it really is. It's like, Mm -hmm. oh, my kid, we're in a parent cohort and we're just going to, you know, move and progress together But you know what? When you are, you have friends for different uh, seasons. What is it? You have, what is it? A reason, a season, and a lifetime. Right, right, right. And I can't stand that because I, (laughs) I really can't. I cannot stand that because I'm like, wait, I friend hard. And so I don't like the reason or the season. I get into friendships for the lifetime, and it is always a challenge for me when things don't work out but i realize as i've as i've gotten older if, and i've gotten more comfortable with the reason the season and the lifetime and i realize that people know you for different reasons and so if i am 20 years old and you've known me since i was 20 years old and now i am a 40 something year old woman i have evolved And it's interesting how people want to keep you in a place that you have grown away from. Yes. And those friendships don't work anymore. And it's not that I don't wish you well. And it's not even that you're my enemy. It's just that we just don't work anymore because you keep putting me in this place that I am not in. And then you are, you know, I turned 43 or 42 and I felt grown, like, okay, mm-hmm. I get it. I've gotten some things under my belt. And so the person that I meet in this space, it's like you meet the person I'm most proud of. The person- So
0: interesting. Yeah. So interesting. And it's funny because I never used that reason season lifetime business until and unless somebody is moving out of my life and I'm trying to process it. And I'm like, well, I guess that was just for a season. (laughs) But you're right, because this happens with familial relationships as well. Like you go back to your family, and then you find yourself just slotted right back into whatever your role was in that family. But this happens temporarily with these long-term relationships too. So with your 20-year-old relationship, hopefully everybody grows. They don't always grow in the same direction. They don't always grow at the same rate. And yeah. if they don't grow at the same rate, and if they don't grow in the same direction, and you find yourself back with that person from 20 years ago, they expect you to be right back in that space.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: so, you know, it's time to move on, unfortunately.
1: It is time to move on.
0: Actually, I'm not sure that it's so unfortunate.
1: No, you know, it's it really necessary.
0: It's pruning. It's
1: necessary. Pruning
0: is necessary for beautiful growth.
1: Oh my gosh. I remember someone I identified as my best friend, she and I broke up Mm -hmm. and it was a bad breakup. And the thing is, is that I think best friend breakups are just devastating and can be devastating. And I was talking to my then pastor via phone and he said, you know, there's this book called the gift of goodbye and that title alone just shifted my entire perspective about us breaking up it was like okay it was supposed to end and there is a gift in saying you know <laughs> sayonara to somebody and it's like would you ever be friends again it's okay to know each other it's okay to know each other and say hello but we just don't fit and that's okay And you just have to know that the same provider who provided that partner, that friendship partner for you will provide another one Hmm. for you. And you just have to trust that. After a while, I did. I think that's how we met because I was ready for a new friend. Not that I keep just one. I'm just (laughs) saying. (laughs) Not that I keep just one, but uh, somebody who understands me who gets me. And quite frankly, I don't have to explain myself to.
0: Yes. Yes. And I've been thinking about this friendship as well, because we seem to come from a similar place on a lot of things. We are from the same place. We are both from South side of Chicago. We grew up not that far from each other, never knew each other. But you and I are very different. We're very different in some really significant ways. And so, you know, when I think about this friendship and I think about these are the differences that can prevent friendship from happening, from Mm -hmm. developing. And I think one of the things that makes it, I'm going to say that makes it a real grown-up friendship, a real, you know, grown lady friendship, Mm
1: -hmm. is
0: that I think we both respect where the other person is coming from but you have to be honest about those things. Yeah. So I remember having a conversation with you that was pretty irreverent as these conversations go. <laughs> oh, do tell, do tell. I remember having a conversation with you about abortion. And I know that was some serious stuff. At the time, I didn't know for sure where you were coming from on the issue. Yeah. But I could take a very good guess, right? Okay. But it was also important to me that if you were going to be my friend, that you know this about me, that you know where I stand. Yeah. Because I can't be my full self in this friendship and not be honest about that.
1: Mm -hmm. Well, see, I don't think that we are as different from a deep structure standpoint. From a surface perspective, we talk about abortion versus not having an abortion or, Mm -hmm. or whatever that is. From a deep surface perspective, both of us have a love of family. And I think that mattered to me. And I remember having a conversation with you about a career and the challenge of careers and balance and, you know, trying to fit it all in. You remember this conversation and you were talking about, well, if it doesn't fit around what I hold to be most important, then I say no, and it, it does not fit. And that place in my life, I needed that conversation because I was trying to make so much fit, trying to do so many things in my brain, and it was exhausting. And you simply said, I need to make sure I have time for my children. I want to pick them up from school. I want to drop them off from school. I need to finish work by this time so that I can do those things without rush or haste and then you said you wanted to be able to spend quality time with your husband those things were important to you and if opportunities surrounding or intruding on those dedicated times did not work then it did not fit in your life and for me that was when i thought this is my person And this is the person that I need in my life. Now, certainly, I bring things to our relationship, but your absolute love of family was something that drew me in my brain, kind of moved us together and bonded us. And yeah, we have two different perspectives about bringing children into this world. And I do respect the place of people being able to openly have a discussion about what works for them. I don't know what works for you because I'm not you. And you certainly don't know what works for me because you're not me. But it's really nice to be in a space where you can say it and be supported, however that is.
0: So that's the thing. Two things. Number one, you're always playing back things I said. And every time you start, I'm like, "Uh uh-oh, what I say now? (laughs) But what you just played back sounded very wise. It sounded like a woman who knows some things and is very clear about her whole life. And I can tell you now that I had only recently come to that point of view. It had taken me all that time until then to just see it that clearly. Yes. But the second thing is that you started this by saying, well, I actually don't think we're that different. And at its essence, we both care about family. And for me, it wasn't so much a moment, but it was recognizing that you even have that perspective, because I can tell you that abortion is enough to, it's a non-starter for a lot of people, for a lot of relationships. Just the fact that you're able to say, you know what, it's actually not about that. It's actually about something else. That's the thing that let me know that you're my person.
1: Oh, that was so nice. Yeah, I think that we are similar in the fact that, you know, you can look at somebody and decide (laughs) if they work. (laughs) You can look at them, decide if it works for you or not. While I may say it, you have a look. It works. It works for us. But we definitely, I think, respect and we differ when it comes to religion and religious practices. We do. We do. We disagree. I think "disagree" is not the right word. Maybe it is, but no, we don't. no, it's
0: not. It doesn't rise to the level of disagreement. We just
1: no, it's
0: too we different. Do, we
1: do it differently. Interesting. We okay. do it differently than one another. But there are plenty of people in this world who practice religion but are not decent right. human beings, and I think decency is important. Now, don't get me wrong. I think gathering together with people who are similar and like you from like religious assembly, I think that that's important to do. Mm-hmm. I do. But I also think that it doesn't take my Sunday morning worship for me to act out my faith. There have been many conversations that you and I have had about so many things that have caused in some areas angst, in some areas worry, and in some areas tears. And, and there have been many places where there have been questions asked. And I've said this out loud to you a couple different times. And what I just keep saying is, you may not be there, but I will hold the space for you until you come. And so it's just like, I'll just hold this space. And I hold this space for both of us because that's me living it out. And that's just important to me. And it's, I like that even though we are, we practice differently, that I can still be authentically who I am as a Christian woman who is black, who loves God, and then has this friend. And we are in this relationship together. And I appreciate that I can tell you on Sunday that I serve my family communion. And then you honor that and you say something wonderful back to me. So that you allow me to be me. No, no me? Means, let me stop. <laughs> you allow me to be me. I am me. <laughs> no, no, no. I am me. And I have the freedom to be who I am in our relationship. And I can
0: say the same from my perspective, because I do not feel the pressure of being recruited, which as someone who I'm very serious, as someone who is, and it's a little hard to describe, because I grew up in the Christian tradition, and in the Christian faith. And yet, the way I practice I don't really know can be defined in that way. And so it's just interesting. I don't feel conflicted. I don't feel like I have questions. I feel like I'm doing just fine. And yep. it's important to me that I not be recruited. <laughs> right? mm-hmm. And so, you know, even when you say things like, I hold the space for you, that is meaningful to me because I understand what it means to you. And mm-hmm. so it's coming from a place of love and it is not you know about bringing somebody onto your team but it really is just about this relationship and how you hold someone in your heart and what you hope for them in the context of what you believe yeah. and I think that's beautiful
1: mm-hmm. yeah I remember we were I forgot what we were doing we met at like this Mexican restaurant in downtown Detroit right we mm-hmm. took this walk yeah um to work off the guacamole and then it started raining. It started raining. And then oh, we went yeah. to that new stadium. What was it Little Caesars Arena downtown? That's right. That's right. And we stayed there and we had that in-depth conversation about God. Yes, we did. You don't remember it. I do not remember. <laughs> you don't remember it. But it was a prayer answered because I felt like, wow, we finally have this space To have this conversation, and I Hmm. could really see and hear where you were coming from. And then it was like, oh, I get it. And it was just a good conversation. And we just talked about God, and you don't remember it. I don't. (laughs) But it happened.
0: Okay, so here's what I want to get to, because I do feel like our story is important. How do these two people who have been open with each other about things, about which people fight, right?
1: Yeah.
0: How do these two people become friends and how do they make a friendship out of this? So... All I can tell you is that um, I'll start, I guess, from the beginning. From my perspective, we were introduced by a mutual friend. I was having a dinner party. And this friend is just a joy. So energetic, so joyous. And I remember him saying, oh my goodness, you have to invite Landria. You have to meet her. She's from Chicago. And I just remember thinking, she's from Chicago. Is that all you got? Like, that's all you got for me? Yes. <laughs> right? yeah. And the thing is, when you're away from Chicago, you have all these people who claim Chicago, even though they're really from like Naperville or somewhere. So this exactly. could be any one of 8 million people. It's like, okay, she's from Chicago. All right. But because he is such a joy, I said, okay, <laughs> that's how I met you. and. I liked you. It was nice. You know, it was just like a nice evening that we had, and it was nice to get to know you. But I think you, sometime later, said, hey, let's go to lunch. And that was when we started to get to know each other just a little bit.
1: Yeah. It's so funny because he went to church with me. We went to Ah. the same church. Uh Uh-huh. And he's like, you remind me of someone that I know. And she's from Chicago, too. And I'm like... (laughs) I'm like great. Another <laughs> one from Chicago. Living in Detroit cuz you know some people move here and then they forget about where they came from and they become like Detroit ride or die people. I'm like Do you that? have no Yes. I'm like you have no loyalty. If you are from the south side of Chicago, you stay loyal wherever you go. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And so he mentioned your name and I was like, Who is this? And I'm like, who is this little girl? He wouldn't be <laughs> I'm like, Oh, I have no room in my life to mentor anybody. What? <laughs> Cause, he never, Cause he never said we were the same age. He just said she's from Chicago. Yes. And all he said. That's all he had. That's all he had. And he's like, you just remind me of her. So When we were, Alfred and I, my husband, we were coming to your house. I'm like, well, you know, I don't know. They're going to have good food. So let's go get something. (laughs) So so we went to a restaurant. And of course, my husband orders like oysters or something. And they were bad oysters. And he started to feel awful. And you do not know this story. Because I was like, do not ruin this for me. (laughs) (laughs) what is wrong. Get it together. We were in the car. He was like, Oh, I don't, I was like, Oh, (laughs) get it right. And so we come into your house and he was barely eating anything. And he went to the bathroom the first time. And the second time your husband says, are you all right? And I thought, what is wrong? I was just hoping that nothing happened. Like you all, are you okay? We met when I was pregnant, right? Yes. Oh my gosh. So it's been that long. That's the marker. Yeah. That is the marker. That's how we met. It was a lovely dinner, a lovely, lovely evening. I enjoyed it. It was great talking. You were so comfortable. And then now that I know you better, I know that that was an effort for you to have a stranger in your home. Well, not
0: really. Not (laughs) really. I guess the thing is, Even our friend was not someone who I had had over before. So when he said, oh, you have to invite this other person, I was like, okay. You know, I trust him, but still, it's like, well, you know, I had it all worked out, like who I wanted there. And now I have to invite this chick from Chicago. (laughs) Okay,
1: Right, because you're you're this chick until you prove yourself. Pretty much. You're this chick. And so then we met up again. And then we just kind of took it. It was very cautious, I thought. Don't
0: you think it was cautious? I don't even remember how it happened because I tend not to be that cautious when it comes to relationships. Like at some point, I will throw out a crazy story just right up front because I'm full of crazy stories. And also, you know, I like dirty jokes. I like to curse. I like whiskey. Like I like all of these things. And I need you to know this up front about me. So I probably said something crazy very early in the relationship like is she one of my people? <laughs> right.
1: Yeah. yeah. See, so, so you test people out. That's how you test people.
0: So I don't like to think of myself as someone who tests people, but rather oh. I am very much being myself. Like this right. is not a test. It is this is what it's going to be like forever and ever. <laughs>
1: but there is a vetting process. Don't you think you vet people like let me tell my craziest story and then see what their reaction is.
0: Not really. It's more like, hey, you know what I think is really funny? And then if they're just like that's not funny and you're terrible, then I'm just like, well, I don't like you either. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it sounds bad. It's a feeling you have. You study them. No, but like, quite I'm just seriously. Study you.
0: There is a little bit of that, but quite honestly, if someone does not share your sense of humor, if you throw them the ball and they're just they just drop it like yeah. I don't wanna play, then this is a very good indicator, you know, of of whether the relationship is going where you want it to go.
1: That's true. If they take themselves too seriously. But I think what really helped is that I will probably go out on a limb, and this is not a limb, you were probably always bold, more self-assured, and clear about what you wanted and who you wanted in your life.
0: I think that's been true for a long time though.
1: Yeah. So you enter all relationships. Not everyone is that clear and authentic about who they are. I think that's my point. I think that's why it worked and why it clicked. Because you've met people here. I've met people here. Mm -hmm. And while you may get along with them, there is a level of bodacious or audaciousness and boldness that you have in your language. Like you are clear, you are determined and may be perceived. I know I have always had this perception that I have this tough exterior and I do, and it's not a protective covering over myself. It's just who I am and I accept me for me, but not every woman is always accepted for having this complexity of things like my tone of voice is not soft it's not floral, sure, sure. it's not any of those things and I remember being in college training as a therapist and all the therapists had a floral tone of voice and I thought I'm gonna need me one of those because <laughs> how am I gonna make it and only when a another woman um, a white woman Supervisor said to me, Landria, you are a strong person, and your voice gives, um, puts that forth. And we will need you to be comfortable with who you are in order for you to do your job well. And I thought, okay, no one professionally had ever said that I couldn't be me. You know what yes. like she? I think it's difficult to when you are a new professional or emerging professional, you try to fit a mold, right? Yes. And and when you don't fit a mold, you kind of take bits and pieces, but someone gave me license to be myself. Yes. Because it gave me license to be myself. I was myself in all other areas. I mean, how many people do you know who are corporate and can't turn that shit off when they have relationships with other women? You know, It bleeds. And then there is um, moving to another land where you know absolutely no one. You end up trying to figure, you know, your career shifts because you have moved and you have moved to support what you identify your husband or how you identify your family or relationships. And so when you do that, you have to ask yourself, who am I really? Am I defined by what I do or am I not? And once you answer all those questions about yourself and you are authentically you, when you meet somebody, if if they don't show up with who they are and it's authentic, you can sniff that fake stuff a mile away and it just Absolutely. doesn't work. Absolutely. It doesn't work. So when we met, all of the stuff from my end had been removed by circumstance, by school, by trying to figure out who I was. And so when I met you, I'm like, look, I might as well have had on some cowboy boots, put my foot as hard as I could on the stool and said, hey, who are you? Because I'm Landry. Because that's how clear I am about who I am. And I think that's why we work, because we're similar in that way.
0: I mean, by the time I met you, I had and I came up with a pretty clear idea of who I was, even as a girl, yeah. not for amazing reasons. But, you know, sometimes you just kind of get forged in the fire and you end up with this product and everything yeah. is very clear. But it's interesting that you brought up an early mentor
1: mm-hmm. early
0: in your career, because I had a mentor early in my career. I worked in advertising. There were very, very, very few African American people. And mm-hmm. so I had this mentor. He didn't want to mentor me. It wasn't personal. He didn't want to mentor anybody. Right. But he ended up being my mentor. And I remember the way he would mentor me was he would <laughs> he would yell and he would cuss at me. And I just remember one day going to him and I was upset about something that my boss had done and I was just I felt like I was all tied up in knots mm-hmm. and he is screaming at me. here, this big booming voice. We're in his office, door is closed. And he's just like, your shit walks and you need to act like you run this shit. That's right. He's like, I see the work that you do and you are smarter than half the people in this place. You need to act like it. And you need to walk around here like you own this shit. He's like, forget fitting in. Do not fit in. You make all these people fit around you. And it was the first time that I had heard that as an adult Yes. I think as a child, I had kind of intuited that just a little bit. I switched schools a lot until I got to college. The longest I was at any school was actually two years. And so my mother hears that story and she hears that I'm complaining about it. But I really have to tell you, it was quite an education because early on, what I learned was every place I go, the only thing I take with me is me. And the more times I move, the clearer I am about just me. I can drop into any circumstance. I can, you know, drop into any situation, but it's always just me. And so it caused me to reflect. And I was always, you know, a reflective kid anywhere. I was just a little weirdo, but it just crystallized something really mm-hmm. early on. But then, of course, when you move into the workplace and you're in an adult space, and it's just the whole world opens up in a different way you know, you can feel really uncertain. And so to have this guy who is screaming at me, right, to anybody else's ears, he is berating me. Why does this child continue to go into this man's office and he just cuts her down and cusses and yells at her? Well, he was supporting me. (laughs) (laughs) And he was telling me, your shit walks and you need to act like it. And if you don't feel like it, act like it. So that was really interesting.
1: I like But anyway,
0: but it also took just growing up and living life, getting spanked out in the world. And so by the time, you know, I got to the place where this relationship came along, I was real clear on a lot of things.
1: Yeah. I mean, you have to be. I just don't know any other way to be except about clear, about what I need, and about what I want. Hmm. I don't understand Um I have a hard time being in close relationships with other women who are less clear.
0: Yes. It's painful to watch. Oh gosh. Because you want them to be here with you because it's such a good place to be.
1: Yeah. I think for me, I think some people have a disdain for that type of friend. They don't identify you as having any softness, any softness at all. They just... Kind of identify you, you know, she's a go getter. She's got this going on. She's so confident. And those are all positive attributes, but there is less given to the complexity of it is possible to be confident, to be determined, to be a go getter, to, you know, have your stuff together and to walk like people need to conform around you and also be soft and feel.
0: But when I hear all these things, she's a (laughs) go-getter, she's tough, she's smart. What I hear are labels. And when I hear people start to describe someone that way, when I hear them start to describe me that way, it's clear to me that they don't see me. Exactly. Right? They've got all these labels, all these boxes. That's also something that I worry about very much. It's something that I just always try to be aware of is context. And always understanding myself as a product of time and place, both in Mm -hmm. history and just in my own cultural context, right? Yeah. And I think people don't think about the various contexts through which they move through life, or maybe they come to think that those contexts constitute an identity. So if they say, you know, I am a person who works in a corporate job, I am a person who is in a sorority, I am a mother, and they think that this, you know, is the sum total of who they are, when in my mind, it doesn't even touch who they are. These are things that they do.
1: Things that they do, but so many people define themselves by those labels, and then when those labels are stripped away, so you get fired and you didn't expect to get fired, or you've always in your head defined yourself as a mother, and then you can't have children as a woman, you should be able to have children and you can. And so because the label hasn't been fulfilled or taken away and you just no longer then there becomes this grief about your life in other ways. It shows up in how you relate to other people, but that's because you don't relate well to yourself. I don't know how you really can be, friends with another person and you have not clearly stripped away your own onions and gotten to the core of who you are and you bring that into your relationships. So I feel like our first conversations were not our conversations have never been about work and what we do and you know certainly we're in two different industries but we're smart enough to respect projects and people and leadership and all of those things. But the conversations that we have had always have been about us as women and, you know, who we are and what we value most and supporting each other in those spaces. And then supporting each other professionally when we have different things that we or organizations we're a part of. We started Core In. We didn't start Surface. We started from the inside out. And so many relationships, pseudo friendships start from the inside out. I mean, I know when there was some times where you were having a difficult time and you needed to just sit there and be, I let you. And it was just my hope and prayer that you felt secure in that time to be who you were. And then recently when I've gone through a tough time. I remember you being on the phone and I have repeated this story to other people. And I said, she just called me and said, you know, Landria, I feel like I just need to stay on the phone with you for the rest of the evening, just to make sure you are okay. And other people in their best efforts have called and said, you sound so strong and you sound so this, but you have never said that to me. You've just said, I'm just going to be here and you were there and I didn't have to be anything but myself. And I am strong. When I pick up the phone, I'm, I'm going to sound like Landria. I don't know how else not to sound like myself, but something has happened. And when something has happened, I don't want to help people help me.
0: Oh my goodness. Yes. Yes.
1: I don't. It's not that it's irritating. It just says to me, you know, I am the Alita Adams. Alita Adams had that song. I, You know, you can reach me by the, the trailways, the, across the <laughs> desert on the yeah. sand. I'm Alita Adams. So <laughs> if I can't get to you, I'm going to figure this out. And so if you can't figure stuff out for me in the way that I have Alita Adams you, then I'm clear about our relationship. I've always been clear about our relationship. But, you know, the Landry, do you need anything? I have no answers for you because I feel like Alita Adams, this shit, like, what are you doing? So I continue to say you have provided comic relief at times when I needed it, but you have just stayed with me and I can't begin to say thank you. And then you have other people who just can't do basic stuff. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, I,
0: <laughs> I try to forgive people in moments like this because they don't know what to do. You're so nice. You are so nice. I'm not. I just. Yeah, you are. But the thing is, I can't say that I know what to do.
1: People just. I, There's no manual. You are right. And you are so gracious and so forgiving. I am working on extending grace to people in spaces where I myself have been given grace. But I don't know. I have a difficult time helping people help me. I understand. I do. I understand.
0: But what I know, having come out of the other side of it, is my gift. My gift to anyone who needs it is if they need to talk about these things, I really can sit and I can talk with them. And I can talk with them and not look away. And Mm -hmm. I know that a lot of people have to look away. This is the gift that I have on the other side of this. Mm -hmm. And that's also why I forgive people because I didn't have it on one side of it. I have it Mm. on this side of it and not that.
1: What a good lesson for me to be more forgiving and more understanding. I appear that I am, but I am not always that understanding. It's not frustrating as much as it is. I don't want to feel weary and having to give someone answers would take away my energy. And so it is a place
0: of forgiveness is something that anybody should be asking of you right now.
1: (laughs) You know, uh, I don't know that you should be asking that of yourself right now. You know, I always try to find the new lessons in everything. Otherwise, it's just how I work. And maybe it's a great level of distraction for me. But I just want to know, I like to figure things out. I'm always trying to figure out more and better. Mm -hmm. The first night when all the stuff happened, I was just grateful that after I had completed my to-do list of the day, you called and said, I just feel like we just need to stay on the phone. And I know that you have all the stuff going on in your life. You didn't call to rush to get off the phone as a to-do list for you. And I have felt that as well. It was really good when you said you can listen and not look away, that your attention is fixed on the person that you are with. And not everybody has that gift.
0: But I don't think it's the gift of attention. I think. People are uncomfortable with discussions of illness and death. And that's the part where I can not look away.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It all sucks. Yes. It really does. It all sucks. Similarly, it changes you. And if your lesson is that you give better grace to people, then I will take that too. So what would you tell people to do? How do people get here? Oh, How do we get here? How do we get to this place? Take a risk. Be vulnerable.
0: You know, you might fail. This is what it is to make any relationship happen. But, you know, a lot of it just has to do with, (laughs) a lot of it has to do with the examined life. I think it was Socrates who said, the unexamined life is not worth living. And so I think we've gotten to a point where we have just examined a lot of things about our lives and then our paths crossed and it was an opportunity. And I think we both saw it as an opportunity. Yeah. And there was still risk involved and all that, but, you know, at some point you have to be comfortable extending yourself. And then when you're inside of a relationship, if you can see the value in the other person, then some of these other things don't matter things that might seem like big things, right? How you practice Mm -hmm. religion or, you know, any number of things. Because what I see is this brilliant light in front of me. And it's like, why would I let anything obscure that?
1: I like this.